What's going on, everybody? And welcome to 100% Real with Alex. And today we are going to be talking with Lily Tran, who is a top producing real estate agent out in Queens, New York. I mean, she has crushed it. She was in the top 20 under 40. Um, she is a wealth of knowledge, and I can't wait to dive in. So without further ado, cue the music. Best believe, best believe. We the best. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Best believe, best believe. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Hey. Yeah, no problem. No problem. How's everything going? How are you doing with all this uh, COVID nonsense? I'm all right. I'm over it. I need to get back to work. I'm going a little crazy. Going stir crazy? On the go, you know? I always have to, like, have a project or something to do. So I'm antsy. Gotcha, gotcha. I actually just saw your uh, podcast yesterday with uh, Vincent Koo. Um, yeah, really, really like, enjoyed don't it. notice. <laughs> <laughs> So have you been doing a lot more podcasts as of late, um, trying to get out there more so? Uh, no, no. I, I mean, I don't, you could see, I don't really create these, but like if anyone asks me to be on, I always agree. I have yeah. no issues going on. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, uh, obviously go check out Vincent Coos. That was actually really funny. I actually love the picture that you guys had the same haircut in. Was, <laughs> Our, was, I think the bowl haircut was the signature haircut for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> that was like the, the, what was that? The mushroom cut for my family. Like for some reason, all my cousins all had mushroom cuts like that was like all the parents did that they just like put a bowl on our head and cut like all around it <laughs> yeah and they would actually pay to go to barbers to actually get that cut done <laughs> um so um tell me tell for the audience who does not know lily Tran, like obviously you're uh you were 20 under under 40 right you were top 20 under 40 um yeah. you were you were you know obviously crushing it um for those of you who do not know uh, we actually work the same area and every time and I've seen Lily Tran everywhere, everywhere. She got all the listings. Um, <laughs> so you. tell us a little bit about your story, how you got into real estate. Um, you know, what kind of drove you that path? I know that you, you, it was kind of in your family, right? Yeah. I mean, Vincent and I started, um, I was still in college and, um, I was working in a marketing firm okay. um, at the time. And unfortunately Vincent's father, um, had a brain tumor. And we both got into it just to help the family out, right? Not thinking like this is going to be a long-term career. We were just giving it a shot. And, um, you know, you know, when you're young, you don't really know what you should be afraid of. You don't know that, you know, you shouldn't be doing certain things or there's a proper way to actually sell a home or proper documents that you would need. We just dove right in. Mm. right mm. and I remember we were the ones running back to our parents saying hey did you know that we actually need an agency disclosure when you first <laughs> meet a client for the first time and they're like oh you know <laughs> don't worry about it I feel like back then like it was like um very lenient like especially a generation before ours like it was so like, lenient yeah they're like oh yeah disclosure I mean if you want it's not <laughs> not mandatory yeah. But I feel like that's how the world is right now, right? Everyone yeah. is just so caught up in every little thing. Mm -hmm. And back then, it was just so much more fun. Like, yeah. I don't know, everyone's so serious now. Yeah, everybody's uh, very <laughs> now. Um, so, so obviously, you, you got into it. You, did, you kind of dived in. Um, we were working buyers. Mainly right? working buyers? I think that was like the natural the natural step for all realtors, right? We, we got into it, we were given buyer leads, and we just packed them in our schedule. Mm -hmm. We went on a million appointments every week. 
right? And it was back to back to back. At that time, I wasn't driving. I was afraid of driving. Mm-hmm. I actually did not start driving until I was maybe um, 27, probably. Oh, wow. So you started late. See, you hear that, Amanda? <laughs> she doesn't drive? No, she doesn't drive. <laughs> She's I, was, I was petrified, but now I'm like a little, like, I rage on the road. But, you know, it's, it was... It was hard in the beginning because Vincent and I were partners and it was hard and it was easy, right? Because we pushed each other. He would drive, I would jump out, do the appointments, run back in. We didn't have to look for parking. You know, he could be driving and I'm writing up the offers and it, it was fun, yeah. but it was, it was exhausting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember when I first dived in myself, uh, me and my partner, same thing. Like we were doing the, the whole Zillow thing and uh, we didn't really have any methodology behind it. We were just out there, right? So we yeah. got the call, like a bat signal, and we were out, like, showing us. Didn't possible. qualify, didn't do anything, right? We just jumped in our car, met people, and we learned from our mistakes. We didn't know we had to qualify. We didn't know, you know, I, there were times when we would show a buyer, like, 50 homes, and then they decided, no, I, yeah, you know what, I'm going to rent. <laughs> you know? And it was so frustrating, and I'm sure you've been through that. Every agent oh, yeah. has been through that. I feel like it's a rite of passage. Like we, every every new agent kind of has to go through that to build that. that Order to learn. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's it's nice for the agents to go out and. Um, I, I think some agents today get too caught up in qualifying that they end up talking them out of the appointment as well. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to find that that middle ground of qualifying but not being too strict in qualifying at the same time yeah like um for example one big thing that i feel like a lot of uh, agents struggle with is the they don't have to be pre-approved right off the bat like when you meet with them you can actually point them in the right direction right so we usually have our buyers appointments we get them in and then i'm like okay from there let's point them in the right direction to get pre-approved right they don't have to be pre-approved just to get into the appointment yeah. And some agents are just so strict. It's like, send me your pre-approval, send me your documents, send me this, send me that before I go on an appointment with you, which is a little bit ridiculous, right? Yeah, sure. You got to build that rapport. You got to, you know, and I teach the agents to do it in a nicer way, right? If they're showing co-ops, all you, all you need to say to them is, Hey, you know, this is a co-op and there is a co-op board approval process. Are you familiar with those steps? Mm-hmm. Right. And then they're like, well, why don't you tell me? And that's when you can go into, well, you know, this particular co-op has a specific debt to income ratio. Do you know where you stand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, your, that's, that's it. That's where you, you got to point out. And, and you get that little, a little bit of information. And sometimes they, they tell you, well, I don't want to go past $300,000. Mm-hmm. Right. And I teach the, the team to ask additional questions. Well, what is it about $300,000? Are you only looking at, you know, putting 20% down? Or are you looking to keep your monthly payments at a certain level? What if I'm able to show you something that's 320,000, but the maintenance is significantly less, mm-hmm. right? And collectively we're able to, you know, get that monthly payment still at 1800, even though the price is at 320, the maintenance pushes your monthly payments down. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, so that, you kind of have that, to be a little, a little bit more creative that way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you're I, having that conversation and building that, you know, you're building that rapport with the client. You're letting them know that you know what you're talking about and you're not going to just show them properties and not limit them at the same time. Right. Yeah, you're going to educate them. hundred percent. And so, so you dived in, you didn't really know what you were doing. So when was that like takeoff point where you actually started 
like accumulating a lot of business and you became the lily trend, the crusher of forest sales? <laughs> it actually took a lot of time. I mean, if you um, saw the podcast or, or the live um, interview that Vincent did yesterday, mm -hmm. We made so many mistakes in the beginning, and we didn't even know we were making mistakes. In, in your 20s, I mean, to be honest with you, in my 20s, I wasn't looking to dominate. I wasn't looking to be the top agent um, in the area, and it, it kind of just happened. In our 20s, we were going out. I remember we were down in morning afters, you know, <laughs> trying to stay awake because we had appointments, right? Because mm -hmm. we didn't want to hangover, and it, was, it wasn't on our minds to, to take over the market and, and this is gonna be my niche. Mm -hmm. But eventually, I think all of the things that I did ended up compounding to the point where our name was just, or my name was just recognized maybe. And that level of service that was delivered, your name is passed on. Yeah, for sure. And you're referred. So when I was training the agents, I was thinking back as to what I was doing that actually got me to that level. And, you know, I told them that you can't just focus on one type of funnel, right? You want to think about creating this huge funnel of seller leads, creating that predictable business. 95% mm -hmm. of the business is done by 5% of the agents because those agents are master marketers right? They know how to market themselves where there's predictable income. Mm -hmm. So you need to figure out where that predictable income or that predictable client is going to come from. So one funnel, of course, could be prospecting, right? That's like, that's like the norm, the door knocking, the phone calls and all of that. And then you got to create additional funnels with vendors. You know, who are those vendors that are going to pass your information on? You're going to trade referrals with. I have great contacts with estate attorneys, wills, will and trust attorneys, where if there's somebody who, who, you know, needs to sell an estate house, they know to refer me. And you build that relationship. You know, building management. I've had people in management where um, you treat them right. And, and they will refer you and they know and they feel confident referring you because they want to be able to not get embarrassed by the person that they, you know, referred. But building those vendors that you know are repeatedly going to give you business, you, of course, reciprocate and give back. Yeah, 100%. Right? Becoming a referrer, right? A referrer of business rather than just always thinking about what you can get. You also have to refer and... You know, one yeah. kind of washes the other. I love what you're saying because it's like you planted the seeds. And I actually um, did a course on funnels, like creating multiple funnels, um, mm -hmm. how, how we utilize uh, KV Core to, to, you know, uh, automate those and follow yeah. up more consistently. Um, I love that. I love that you, you dropped that in there. So once you started creating those different funnels and you, you know, built the relationships over time, it became what you wanted 10 years down the line, five years down the line. Yeah. I mean, uh, of course, there's always at the end of the year, I'm like, wow, you know, I've improved my business to this level. Am I going to be able to repeat that the next year? Mm -hmm. And we get nervous and, and like, but year after year, they consistently, business consistently came back. Yeah. Okay. Right? Awesome. So what would you say your biggest mistake or your biggest growing pain came like in the beginning? What would you say like was your biggest like hurdle to jump over? My biggest mistake was not creating that CRM and that book of business. I lost so many contacts in the beginning 
And I went back to Cindy, I went back to Vincent. I'm like, I need all of my deals. I need that information because I wanted to collect all that information of buyers that I've dealt with in the past. Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. was so tedious, but you need to create that book, with, book of business so that you are always in contact with them, right? I was kind of, they, I, I remember one of the trainings, they're like, don't be a real estate whore where you're jumping from transaction to transaction, <laughs> right? And yeah. you're forgetting about the people and it's just, you know, you're just a one deal type of client and I'll see you later. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's where a lot of agents actually struggle now. They, they focus so all their energy in it and then they're just done. Like, that's it. They don't want to con continue that, com um, you know, that communication, especially um, for entrepreneurs. Like if you have a client that's an entrepreneur and you help them and they actually have a business and you refer them business, that relationship will be so solidified. They will never go to anybody else. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing. A lot of people don't understand that there should be a client acquisition plan. What is your client acquisition plan? Are you consistently keeping that relationship alive? Right. Mm -hmm. And you need to make sure that you, you focus on that. You work on your business and, and you make sure that these funnels are, are actually not, are, are functioning. They're working and you're still getting those clients year after year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. so uh, where are you getting like a lot of your business now right so like are, a bunch I'm, I'm assuming you're getting a lot more referrals now you're very referral based or are you still like doing like online marketing and things of that nature so i still do a lot of um online advertisements um google adwords is is one um i do the mailers every door direct mailers with primo print right you just pick the route and they shoot it out for you you choose the routes that you want um, of course, those vendors that I mentioned, reviews are huge, right? I always ask for reviews. Not everyone will write them because they don't want to take the time to. But I do mention to my clients, hey, if you write a review, can you please copy and paste it here, here, and here if you have the time? If you don't, don't worry about it. But you want to make sure that you're constantly asking for it mm -hmm. as well. But um, I do train the agents also on being a little bit more um, proactive with their prospecting, right? Don't like don't just neg negate the old school approach. I like the old school approach of those personalized letters and telling a story about your buyers. And mm -hmm. I've trained the agents on saying, you know, cause I've had agents say, I, I need a listing. I need a two bedroom listing, Lily, right? I'm like, are you gonna just sit there and, and wait for something to hit the MLS and then compete with all the other MLS agents mm -hmm. on, on, you know, attempting to get that that property for your client or do you want to be proactive about it right so why don't you write a letter or why don't you call around and tell them your story mm -hmm. and it could be a simple you know i have this amazing family with a two-year-old and they're looking in forest hills they specifically want the ps196 school district and your building is owned for it do you know of anyone looking to move anytime an hour in the near future because i need to find this family a home soon mm -hmm. right and that little story because it's a story is a lot more, I, I think people will receive it a lot better than, Hey, I have a buyer. Are you selling? Yeah. Right. So being a little bit more detailed instead of a, a superficial approach, mm -hmm. I think going in at that angle will put you at a different level. Yeah. This is a people business, right? And people want to help other people. Mm -hmm. So put a family or put a person behind your message mm -hmm. and that'll set you apart. 
hundred percent. And I was, uh, and it's a very empathetic approach, right? So before actually kind of meeting you in person, I always had this mental thought that you were like a D, high DI personality. Um, and then when you were talking to Vincent Koo, obviously I'm a big Tony Robbins guy too. I have, yeah. <laughs> um, um, like the, this profile, I always assumed you were like a DI, but then you said you were SI, right? So uh -huh. the empathy aspect of, of that is actually really, I think what changed it, right? Like you, you have a very empathetic approach to your business, right? You, mm -hmm. you put yourself in other people's shoes, which I don't think a lot of agents do, right? They, they uh, approach it from a very like cold, like numbers area. Um, and um, I think that's a, ref a very refreshing approach. And I, I really like, I, re I appreciate that. I feel like, wow, I need to add more empathy to, to my business. Statistically, right? they say that people with higher EQ perform, outperform their competitors by 56%, mm -hmm. especially during the time of crisis and stress. 100%. So if we're able to teach EQ, right, emotional intelligence to our team, and we let them kind of approach clients with that aspect, right, empathy, yet assertiveness, but mm -hmm. empathetic first, I think we would win a lot more clients that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I agree. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, um, here's a tough question, right? So let's say today your CRM got wiped, right? And you had no business, like you moved to a whole new state, right? Mm -hmm. What would you do to ramp up business and restart everything? Right? Like how would you restart if you were a new agent? Um, just like basically starting from, um, you know, square one, what would you do now? Um, we all have to be marketing masters, right? We got to get our name name out there. Do I still have my statistics? Do I still have my numbers? Um, or am well, I a brand new agent? You're, you're a brand new spanking new agent in Arkansas, right? To be yeah. honest, if I was a brand new agent, I mm -hmm. would join a team. Okay, okay. Um, as a buyer's agent, seller's agent, how would you approach it? Whatever position I'm able to get in a, in a dominant team, that's the approach I would go because I think a lot of new agents these days, they have this misconception that if you join a team, you're weak or, you know, you can't, you, you're supposed to wear all the hats and you're supposed to do everything from listings to buyers to marketing to, you know, handling the transaction, just everything. And I think that's not correct. I think you do what you do best and, you know, you, you delegate. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm not good at, let's say, paperwork which i hate right i don't i don't have that c personality in me where i have to you know organize paper and all of that i hate that then i'm gonna find someone else to do that but i'll go on a team as a buyer's agent or i would try to um shadow a listing agent mm -hmm. right but at the same time i will start making sure that i am found online i think that's the very first thing people will do they're gonna look you up so you better make sure you have your Zillow profile up, your realtor.com profile up, your Yelp business up, your Google business page up. Like what are they going to find when they put your name in that search engine? Mm -hmm. And if I'm able to join a team, I'm going to use the team stats, right? Mm -hmm. And make myself look like a marketing master, mm -hmm. right? You got to get yourself out there. I think a lot of agents are sitting back and waiting for their, your you know stats to be better to to start posting things or being found online mm -hmm. but i i think that's that's a mistake 
Yeah, 100%. So first thing you would do is you would join a team. You would um, get your online presence together, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Piggyback off their stats. Piggyback off their stats and shadow until you get a better understanding of the area, right? And then once you start building those connections, you start just building those relationships, right? Yeah. Take all the training you can. I think that's the mistake a lot of agents are not doing. They're not investing in themselves. Mm -hmm. right they come into this business and they watch hgtv and they're like you know i want to make a million dollars a year but i don't want to invest you know a thousand dollars in training (laughs) you know i don't want to get that degree i don't want to you know and it's crazy i mean you have these doctors coming out and they have they're like in debt right from Mm -hmm. from medical school and they're making less and then you have these agents that attempt to make a certain level but they don't want to invest in themselves yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you, about it, you have to approach it like a professional, right? Um, you have to make it your livelihood. And in order to do that, you have to keep sharp, right? Because yeah. um, what's... Still what's Everyone's still training. You look for people that are doing better than you and you train from them. Mm-hmm. I love training. Yeah, 100%. And I, I feel like you're, you're, you're such a wealth of knowledge because you have so much experience under your belt. Um, just kind of, And plus you come from like a real estate family. So it's like, it was like compounding on top of that right that real estate family didn't really teach us much they, they, <laughs> <laughs> they're like yeah just go out yeah, yeah yeah okay so um also you said that um so are you big like do you do a lot of like what kind of trainings do you do like do you go to, i have you been to like a tony robbins seminar do you go to like different things like what what do you i am uh, open to pretty much everything but as of right now i'm really focused on larger teams like I, I'll find larger teams and I'll ask them, like, what are you doing? What are you implementing? And EXP is amazing because there's these teams and they're giving me all the, like all the information, their open book, um, like what their what processes or systems are they using on the back end? You know, what's their CRM? You know, I found a team that's doing Slacks, which we're we're using. Mm-hmm. We're also using Brivity and you know the tools that are needed. Um, I don't mind and they don't mind that I want to learn from them. And if it works, I'm going to copy off of them and they want me, you know, they're completely fine with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mentioned to Vincent that Mark Patterson has this hundred point day. Mm -hmm. I love, I love that sheet because I'm sure you running a team, it's, it's hard for you to get these agents up and motivated and doing stuff. Right. Yeah, for sure. But what if we're able to give them this sheet and we're like, Hey, I don't care what you do, but, reach a hundred points per day, gamify your day, mm-hmm. right? M- make those contacts, post something on social media. Mm-hmm. But if you're able to reach a hundred points a day, I don't care what else you do. Yeah, you won, you won. Um, so just, just so for people who don't know the hundred point day, could you explain a little more about what that, that process looks like? Sure. like we have a sheet. I'll be happy to share it with you, but oh, it's oh. It basically, you know, it's, it's so simple. It's list and then how many points you get, right? So every time you make a contact, that's a certain point. You get your workout in and it's not just business related, right? You get your workout in, you get a certain amount of points. Mm -hmm. Um, You do a listing presentation or you do some role playing, script role playing. If you do, you know, if you write down um, affirmations, whatever it is, it it gives you a certain amount of points. Mm -hmm. You tally it up, you just need a hundred points a day. That's it's awesome. not difficult to do. And I love the fact that it's not just real estate related, right? I feel like people who actually work out and exercise yeah. and have that um, perseverance, right? 
are able to actually push themselves to that next level. Yeah. I feel like there's a, there's a very big correlation between working out um, team sports and business and entrepreneurial mindset. Right? Mm-hmm. I feel like there's always a very, like wherever you find an entrepreneur at one point, they're either A, really obsessed with working out or, or <laughs> getting physical, or B, they were in some type of sporting team or they were part of a team or they love a specific sport. Right. It's grit, right? It's yeah. It's the the trying to get better, and when you get knocked down, picking yourself up and continuing. Yeah, right? and no it's such an important trait to have. For sure, for sure. So, um, um, do you have any specific like books that you would like recommend for maybe a newer agent or somebody who's just diving into the industry right now? Do you have any books that you like? There's really an EQ book. There's an EQ book um, from um, Jillian McLaughlin. So it's called, what, do you know the title of it? I want to write it down. I, wanna... I don't know. I, I don't remember the exact title, but if you look up Jillian McLaughlin, mm-hmm. and I think if you're able to get the agents um, more educated on the emotional aspect of their clients and approaching people, with that knowledge, I think they'll be able to improve their business. 100%. Right. If, I mean, statistically, people who are doing better, I think 80% of them have higher EQs. Mm-hmm. And being, well, first of all, being self-aware of, of your own emotional, you know, your emotional state at the same time adapting to your clients um, as well, that's going to that's gonna help you build your business. Yeah, I feel like there has to be a, a certain level of self-realization or um, um, knowing about your specific emotions, right? You have to have be a, have a specific tune to your own emotions and understanding your own emotions before you can actually understand the emotions of others. So I feel like that needs to be a, a training in and out, yeah. understanding yourself in order to understand others. Yeah, if you can't recognize it, then you can't manage it yourself, mm-hmm. right? You, you should don't- be commercial. <laughs> if you're a C personality and you love numbers and you don't want to deal with the emotional um, asset, because at the end of the day, deals are people, right? Like every deal I've had, there's always some sort of emotional attachment or some something is happening, right? Um, that evolves emotions, right? So like if you're if you're not keen on that, maybe commercial is your your avenue if you love numbers, right? Um, but residential, I feel like there's a lot of emotions involved. I feel like real estate, I mean, people are, is our business. We are in the people business and real estate is just our vehicle. Mm -hmm, For sure. So if we're not emotionally aware, if we don't know how to be empathetic, right? If we don't know um, how to express our emotions properly, if we're not optimistic, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to end up costing us. Yeah, especially in the long run too. If you're not optimistic that you can do it, you're never really going to do it, right? but also knowing your clients, right? Are they impulsive? Are they not impulsive? You know, and you would approach them completely differently. Yeah, for sure. For Are sure. they analytical? Are they not analytical? Yeah, do they go? So, I mean, obviously you kind of have to run your own assessment on where, where they fall on that disc profile, you can say, right? Like, yeah. um, all right. I mean, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I, I have like- a team member, Michelle. She's a mm-hmm. high D. A high D? She's a high D. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times she doesn't understand like if she's a she's a DC. Oh, okay. So she doesn't understand sometimes if a person she's already given them the numbers. She's broken it down to like 
broken it down to the like that it's common sense you should make that move you should just increase your offer by ten thousand because it's only going to end up costing you less than a dollar difference a day let's say mm-hmm. but she, they're not pulling the trigger mm-hmm. and she doesn't understand why and then she got frustrated mm-hmm. until she realized the disc personality profile until she tapped into the eq that's when she realized well okay let me you know i can't put my emotion into this right? Get curious. I told her, get curious before you get furious, right? Mm -hmm. Find out what is holding them back. Yeah, for sure. Get curious before you get furious. I like that. (laughs) That's a good one. So, I mean, definitely, I mean, um, I definitely feel that, you know, being a high D, high C, that's like complete opposite of you, right? So your, your mindset, it comes naturally at a different, like you're speaking a different language. So when I like to think about it in those terms. Like when I'm meeting with someone who I feel is a high I, I have to be able to speak their language, right? Um, if I'm coming at it like a C, I'm, on, I'm speaking a completely different language than they would understand. Correct. So I have to kind of, un- you have to understand that. And I think, especially with a, from a buyer's agent standpoint, um, being that I was a buyer's agent as well, I used to work with buyers left and right myself. Um, one thing that I would like to do was when I, the first three showings are the, or even the first two showings is where I'm kind of identifying what kind of personality they are. So obviously I'm identifying what they're looking for, but I'm also truly identifying what, what kind of person they are, right? Mm-hmm. Well, are, are they like blown away by the aesthetics of everything or are they really into the numbers and they want to know if it's this affordable or not, you know? Yeah. So the, I think that's something that people have to be patient with. You're not going to get that over one phone call. Or sometimes even one meeting, it takes it takes some time to develop these relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And once you figure it out, it just helps you so much more, right? You'll you'll be able to understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. So um, obviously, you're trying to build your team as well, right? So I know that you you have how many people on your team now? We are a total of nine, including myself. Gotcha, gotcha. And in regards to um, running your team in particular are they all like buyers agents or is it kind of like a self-organized where like everybody's doing their own thing and you just kind of help support? Most of them are buyers agents. I do give out listing leads um, as well. If I think that you are capable enough to handle it. So you would need to handle or, or close enough buyer leads. I need to know that you are going to put that Lily Tran team image out the proper way. Mm -hmm. You're not going to discount, you know, our services at the same time. But as of right now, there's only two people that I'm comfortable giving listing leads out to, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone else is pretty much a buyer's agent until they get to a certain level. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a contract with them um, as well in, in terms of, you know, being productive and how productive, but it's, it's, it's not a self-managed team, right? Okay. So their, their cap is a lot lower mm-hmm. um, because of that. Okay. Okay. And, um, in regards to, um, like dispersing of, of leads, is it kind of like they go to like open houses to get their own thing or is it just like you're handing it to them? So we were doing round Robin at first and every open house, um, that they conduct that obviously that's their lead, but they're going to have to put it in the CRM and they're going to need to follow up. And my, um, assistant she does do a crm audit Mm -hmm. so if you're not following up on these leads it's going to get taken and it's going to get reassigned Mm -hmm. um last week i sat in on another's uh another team's um kind of 
training on what they do. Mm-hmm. And we're deciding if we should do like a shark tank approach where it's like, you know, throw it down and whoever grabs it first, because I think in our industry, buyers are constantly looking, right? Yeah. So if they're not contacted immediately, they're already on to the next person. For sure, for sure. So we need to make sure that they're contacted immediately. 100%. I 100% agree with that. So uh, what CRM system are you using? Because obviously uh, we're, we're kind of using, using KV Core right now. Um, I know you use something different, right? So you, which one do you use? I use Brivity. Brivity? Okay. And that's, yeah. a, um, that's a team that's a team CRM? Like. Yeah. I mean, they have different tiers and it is a team CRM where we're able to see everything that they do on the back end. But it's a, what I love about Brivity is they do have an app and I'm able to communicate and put the buyers, um, the sellers into the CRM too. So anytime an update is made and a message is given, the seller sees it. They see all the activity that we're done, we're, we're doing. So it's no longer, hey, why am I paying you 6%? What are you doing? You just brought a buyer. You know? <laughs> it's like you just earned that in one day, but they don't see the back end of it. With mm-hmm. the system, they see the back end of everything that's done, where it's posted, what's the updates, when the appraisal set, what, you know, what's the feedback. Instead of them telling me, you know, hey, Lily, what's the update? What's the update? Imagine like all the sellers contacting me on Monday morning. What's the update? I'm like mm-hmm. going crazy. But with this brevity, they are given updates. Mm-hmm. So is it, is it like you move them down like a pipeline type of situation and then like auto, auto sends them like an email or is it like a... Um, it'll automatically send them an email once anything is done on their file. Oh, okay. So any update on a specific file will trigger... Correct. Uh, right. Wow. And my team members can go in and I don't have to chase them, right? So during an open house, they can say X amount of people came. Positive feedback is this. Negative feedback is this. Right. And the seller will see all of that. Mm, okay. That's actually it's really, really good. It's amazing because once you get to that level of, you know, listings, it, it gets overwhelming. You mm. want to make sure that you have the system to be able to get yourself and, and to that level and scale. For sure, for sure. I mean, that that's because me, I'm, I'm a big systems guy. Like I love like CRMs. Like I literally played with every CRM that is <laughs> almost every CRM out there. I really like KB Core. Is there, is there any uh, specific, just, I'm, this is just curious question. Um, is there a cap on, like, can you send text messages through that system? Can you, like, that has everything that KB Core has type of thing? Yep. It's better than KB Core, I think. Oh, wow. Cindy hated KB Core. Because we went from Brivity to KB Core, then back to Brivity. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Gotcha. She, yeah. And she, since she's the one who's, basically using it mostly i said whatever system you think is better and more efficient for the team for sure for sure i mean she's the one the glue that keeps everything together right yeah she's she's my director of operations <laughs> so uh, when did, that's actually a good question too so when when was it a right time for you to to find the, your first hire i made mistakes mm-hmm. right i got to a level where i had too many buyers and i couldn't work them mm-hmm. Right. So my first instinct is I need a buyer's agent. Yeah. I think anybody who is um, up to that level, I think their first hire should be an assistant first. Mm-hmm. I think um, so. I went the buyer agent route twice. Mm-hmm. And then I stepped back and I'm like, you know what? I, I think I need an assistant instead of a buyer's agent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
She helped me with a lot of the backend stuff. But she, being licensed, she was able to also show properties for me. Mm. Right? With that approach, it actually just made a lot more sense for me. Until I got to a point where now she's overwhelmed and I'm like, hey, Cindy, does my assistant need an assistant? and that's when we knew it was time to grow again but I think the very first hire and I can't tell when it is right for you or when it's right for the next person it's you know you'll know or you'll feel it when you know you're dropping the ball yeah yeah no 100% like I remember um my first hire as well um it was it was during a time where it was just like i did the same thing i buy i kind of worked a little backwards i got a buyer's agent then i got a nurse buyer's agent then i realized i was becoming the assistant so then i had to, find <laughs> to to help me with that process because i was dropping the ball on um on like i wasn't really working buyers at that point anymore because i couldn't right i was doing too much of the support role where i was like okay i need to hire somebody to to handle the the paperwork and all that stuff that i don't want to do um, but finding the right person is hard. It is hard. And I think I got really lucky. Um, uh, you trial and error, right? Was she and when, hire and then that was it? Like you didn't have to like fire anybody and go through that process? I had two buyer's agents first. Okay. And then I, they were no longer my buyer's agent. And then she became my assistant. Gotcha. Through the team. But what you said is so funny because like, I think a lot of top producers, try to go that route of, you know, becoming or, you know, growing that team, getting that buyer's agent, and then you become the assistant. And then you're not, you're no longer doing the thing that made you that money that made you, you know, get you get those listings, and you're dropping the ball now. And I think that's the issue, because a lot of people think it's like, so amazing to be a broker owner. Yeah. And people have asked me, like, well, Lily, why are you still working with Vincent? Why don't you open your own brokerage? I don't want to open my own brokerage. To be honest with you, like, it's really, <laughs> it's not as, it's not <laughs> as uh, glorious as you think it is. Um, ob- obviously, the first, it's it's beautiful in the sense where you're you're in charge of everything and you're, you're growing everything. But then at the end of the day, you're no longer producing, right, at the same yeah. level. Um, and to be honest with you, the agents make so much more money than the broker owner if you're not in production, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, unless that's going to be your full time and that's what you want to do, right? That's what you have to focus on. And uh, Tony Robbins said it best, you're either entrepreneur, manager, or you're the, the artist, right? Mm-hmm. You're a really great artist, you know, or you're, you want to manage. That's what you have to focus on, right? You can't, you can't literally be amazing at all three. You have to kind of pick a, a certain avenue of where you're most happy and where you're most fulfilled. Yeah. Right? Um, and I kind of thought about it this way. I actually use this analogy all the time, right? So there's Kobe Bryant. I mean, there's Michael Jordan, there's, um, Phil Jackson, and then there's the entrepreneur who owns the whole bull stadium, mm-hmm. right? What I did when I started my own brokerage was I created a whole stadium just so I can manage a team, <laughs> right? And that makes no sense because now I have to worry about who's selling hot dogs, where, where the merchandise is going and all this other stuff without actually doing what I'm passionate about and why I actually wanted to get into it. Right. So starting with why is super important as well. If you do want to start your own brokerage or start your own uh, team, right. Yeah. See where you, where you want to be. Yeah. And I think that's a mistake that many people make. Did you see the last dance? Uh, the last dance? No, I haven't. The documentary. Michael Jordan. Oh no, I haven't watched it because <laughs> I'm worried that 
because I grew up in that Michael Jordan era of him like doing all this and I saw him like at this high level I'm scared that if I watch it I might have a bad view of Michael Jordan. No, I don't think so. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. It is? It's a really good one? Yeah, that's good. Cool. I, I, mean, I, definitely I, would, I watch bits and pieces because my husband would watch it without me. I'm like, hey, you know? oh, man, that's like a cardinal sin. You can't watch a, a new show without bringing yeah. your significant other on board. Yeah, no. He, he'll continue watching without me. So I missed a few, but what I did watch was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, he's one hell of a competitor for sure. Yeah, I mean, his story was amazing. And he pushed, it was like tough love, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of that Vincent did, right? He made me so uncomfortable a lot of times, but that, that was what made me grow. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. Helpful. Well, I, I really do appreciate you coming on and, and sharing all those, those gems. If anybody wanted to find you, where could they find you? you can call, they could call me or at Lily Tran Team. I'm on Instagram. You can message me there. Mm-hmm. I have a website, lilytranteam.com as well. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, thank you so much. And I, I, I'm actually really excited to get back into office and, and continuously growing. Cause another big thing too, is like before this whole EXP thing, before we actually kind of like everybody partnered up together, um, it was always like, what is she doing? What's the secret? Now it's like, we're all open to sharing our, our secrets <laughs> and, and giving everything out, which is awesome. And, um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you, you changed some, um, people's perspectives today with this this podcast yeah i think a lot of people think like it's scary to approach me and ask me questions i don't know why because we think you're the crusher of forest hills i'm telling you (laughs) (laughs) i'm 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 an open book so anytime you have a question feel free to reach out okay awesome awesome all right so thank you so much i really appreciate it i hope you have uh you know and you're staying safe and your family staying safe and um thank you (laughs) you're welcome all right bye-bye